A one, a one, two. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like everybody wants to be a big shot. Hello and welcome to the Grand Old Podcast, episode number 14. Now, I know what you're thinking, that's not the dulcet tones of Hamish Carton. Hamish is actually in, he's, he's, he's moved to Germany, he's uh, in the process of, <laughs> of learning, uh, he's left us, he's, he's learning the, the, the ins and outs of Stuttgart, a wonderful city, and he will be back with us soon, but for this week, um, you'll have to put up with me, Paul Fisher, and John McGinley's back to uh, back in the back in the fold, John, how yeah, are you doing? back in the fold, back in Dundee, um, I'm just a bit worried, because I think this is maybe the podcast where everyone realises that Hamish is the glue that holds all of this together, <laughs> um, so we'll need to try our best and struggle through uh, but we've got a good show coming up, so we're still looking forward to it. No, no, it should be good. We've got lot, lots to get through. But well, this is the first podcast that we've recorded where Celtic have played twice in between <laughs> podcasts, just because of the technical difficulties with, with your internet, John, and stuff yes. like that. But we'll, we'll touch briefly on on both the games that that we've won since since the last pod. Um, we'll go back a week ago today yeah. as we recorded on the Wednesday. Inverness nil, Celtic four, and other compre- a comprehensive victory. And another Dembele double. Yeah, well, I mean, it was one of those games where you kind of worried about it before it, but mm-hmm. um, we were superb on the night again. Um, seemed to just, no matter what challenge comes across this Celtic team, we just seem to be able to get the better of, of our opposition. And Dembele's just on fire. If you include this in the midden game, I think it's 12 goals in his last six games, <laughs> uh, which is kind of crazy. And we were thinking like he might not make the 40 goal mark I remember we had that discussion on the podcast a few weeks ago but mm-hmm. now I'm thinking like there's no chance that he doesn't make 40 goals now I still I think he's going to do that now um, which is crazy uh, I don't know what, what did you think of the game I, I can barely remember it now to be honest I know <laughs> yeah. I, I remember the, the first kind of half hour was, was pretty pretty dogged we, we, we were pretty much on top but Inverness were doing alright they were kind of holding their own and I needed that moment of mad, uh, moment of like something special to, yeah. to break them yeah. down, and then Scott Sinclair popped up with that that wonder goal. It was a great finish. Yeah, and I think the the main memory of the night for me as well was um, enjoying the crowd coming through the TV. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. It. it seemed like the the guys who had put in the effort to travel up to Inverness midweek uh, certainly made the most of it. And um, so fair play to them. I mean, it rumbled on into the next game against the Mint, didn't it? The cup game. Um, yeah, it was it was one of the ones where again I thought we kind it would be difficult mm. with, with Jack Ross coming back for the second time with a different team and I thought they, they set up well when when Aloha came earlier in the season in the League Cup and it was going to be tricky but they, they showed us that straight away with it, when yeah. they scored the goal it was always the, the nerves were getting to us a wee bit but I think most fans looking at it logically would say right the, the chances will come and the goals will come and they did in the second half and <laughs> there was loads of them it I was mean, great I, I thought it was a really interesting first half actually um, mm-hmm. because it was kind of like a, a little window into how a team might beat us in the future um, obviously we're going to get beat at some point um, in the future whether it's this season or next season whenever but it just teams don't usually come to Celtic Park with that kind of um, principled and uh, determined tactical play where they would just focus on shutting down one aspect of our team um, and they just completely shut down our, our left hand side uh, Sinclair yeah. and uh, Tierney and that made us funnel through all the play through Gary McKay-Steven who had a dreadful game 
and that was that was the key to them. They held out for an hour playing like that. So fair play to them. It wasn't until obviously Rogers changed it by bringing on Roberts and then eventually Griffiths, but. Um, like fair play to Jack Ross. Like St Mirren have no right to be coming to Celtic Park and taking the lead and playing like that for an hour. So um, I was quite impressed and thought it was a very interesting kind of view, as I say, into how a team might beat us in the future. But you can't. It's we're undeniable. Griffiths. I mean, what can we say about him? It's no, no. It was brilliant. Like how many games? How how many minutes he's had recently? Never mind games. Yeah, and coming on and, and changing it like that. You you seen how hungry he was to get on the ball and and to to help his his teammates and with Roberts as well. I don't. I think his part was maybe underplayed slightly. Yeah, we, yeah, we think, agree with that. Um, he, the thing about Griffiths is, I, I feel like a lot of people are always out to kind of undermine him. Um, mm-hmm. He's obviously not. He's never been the most popular guy, even when he's banging in goals, but. That's true. When he's banging in goals, it kind of covers up those other, the, the other things that people don't like about him. And people are more than entitled to not like him. That's fair enough. But for me, I think he's so vital to the Celtic team, um, and so vital to the future of the Celtic team because Dembele's don't come every summer. We're not going to sign Musa mm-hmm. Dembele every year. And when Musa Dembele goes, I don't think he'll go this year. But if he goes next year. We're going to need Lee Griffiths there to help us through that kind of tr- rough transition between bringing in strikers. You know what our record like is the signing strikers. Mm-hmm. So we need someone there that we can rely upon and then whoever comes in as a, as a bonus. You know what I mean? So um, it's great to see Griffiths coming back and, and working hard and getting praise and you know generally looking pretty, pretty damn impressive. Yeah, well, that's, you look at it, he's only, he's only 26, he's, he's still got plenty of time left and mm-hmm. it doesn't look as if he's going to move on from Celtic anytime soon. No, I don't soon. think so either. I mean, a lot of people, there was a few tweets like, though this team are interested, that team are interested, but I feel like it's like people are wanting them to be sold and I just don't get it. It's just just not how I view him at Celtic at all. I, th- I think he's absolutely... It's just, we've said it before, but it's this time last year he was our saviour, so we've just mm-hmm. got to... Give him a give him give him a wee break, and it's so it's been a rough year for him personally. But then Belly come through, I would imagine. Um, yeah. So he's just got, he's got to get used to his new role in the team, and it's as a, a important striker for us, but probably not the main man. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. The the main man you speak of, Dembele, thirty second goal against yeah. Saint Mirren, and I think that's he, he scored in pretty much every cup game that we've, we've played. Uh, he, he's been phenomenal in the cups, and he's always been reliable. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned earlier on forty goals, it's it's, it's very much doable. Yeah. Um, it's, it's whether how how much above forty he can go now. I, I remember saying that I didn't think he would get forty at all, but he's just been banging them in left, right and centre. He has scored more debut goals than anyone at the club since uh, Joe McBride in 1965-66. Mm-hmm. And his debut season he scored more goals. And that's quite incredible really when you think about it. I know it's and you he, 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 I don't think he'll he might get close to Joe McBride's tally which is 43. Um, he's already passed Scott McDonald, he's passed uh, Brian McClare, he's passed Andy Walker Oh, he's level with Andy Walker, sorry, and he's uh, level with Sammy Wilson. He's closing in on Tommy McAnally, and the th- he's on his way to having the best debut season anyone's ever seen in, in our lifetimes, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I don't really know how it happened. But remember, like a few, a couple of months ago, we were talking about how he, he'd gone through that rough spell of not scoring, scoring from open play. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, yeah. it's like a switch has went on in his brain, and he's just completely brought his game to a new level. It's incredible. Uh, I I remember reading during the week um, that the Griffiths has got a better goals ratio and 
in an assist ratio in the 90 minutes mm. going back but he not played that many games this season and I think it's him 14 goals he's scored now yeah. um, you, you underestimate that as well because I, I know it's half of the less than half of the, the goals that Dembele have scored but Dembele's played a lot more games than, than Griffiths has this mm-hmm. term he's taken most of the penalties as well I think you bring that into account but as you, as you said when he was he wasn't scoring goals we were doubting him and then he's just he's just trying to jump back in the hat tricks and scoring not just scoring one goal per game he's scoring hat tricks and doubles all the time yeah and I think this for, for, since we went into twenty seventeen he's been pretty much unstoppable and the the the, the, the teams that we're going to come up against in the next couple of months you would think oh well, he pretty much fancy him to scoring all the games that he's going to be playing in yeah. because the team's playing so well. And you know what, what I didn't expect, I think, I don't think it was that we doubted him necessarily, it's just that we, because he's so young, we just mm-hmm. didn't think that you could have this kind of consistency where he's banging in doubles every game. And I'm quite, I'm actually surprised that he's managed to do that um, recently. Um, fair play to him. Yeah, I mean, you're right, he could go on and he could score doubles for the next six weeks, so uh, incredible stuff, really. Oh, it's fantastic. So after the, the Aberdeen game, we, we, we witnessed the... The Scottish Cup, the draw for the, the Scottish Cup semi-final. Yeah. Celtic going for trophy number 37, unprecedented. And obviously we'll, we'll come on to it in more detail uh, yeah. later on, but it's, pro- it's probably one of the best draws that it could have been in terms of the two spectacles. It's, it's pretty good. For the two spectacles, yeah, you know what I'm like, though? I just want to avoid them in the Cups. Um, there's something about I hate playing them in the Cup and I hate playing them at Hamden especially, so... But for, you know, for this the wider Scottish football, it's great for the spectacle. You're you're spot on. It's it's good that we've drawn Rangers, and I mean the semi-finals. We, we spoke about it, but um, after the last round, but the semi-finals were always going to be showpiece occasions, no matter who we played. Like if we played mm-hmm. Hibs, probably a sellout. Green and White then played Aberdeen. You know, Aberdeen hate us, so uh, <laughs> would have been they would have brought you know their allocation to Hamden probably too if they were playing us. Um, so we're probably if we if we get past Strangers, which I'm, I'm pretty sure we're going to, then mm-hmm. the final again against Aberdeen or Hibs it's going to be magic. So I'm pretty chuffed with how it's worked out. Um, no, should be pretty good. Yeah. We'll, we'll go we'll, we'll go into the Rangers game and mm-hmm. a bit uh, with the pre- previewing of of the, the the first one. I mean a wee bit more detail. Um, later on, but we'll we'll turn it back slightly and and go back to the the sad news of yeah. of last week um, on Thursday morning. We kind of woke up to the news that that big shot Tommy Gemmel had uh, had passed away at the age of seventy three. And I know me and you, John, we were kind of mm-hmm. talking about it, and it kind of hit us really hard. It was yeah. it, it, maybe no a shock, but the, just the way you don't expect this to happen, and it's it's pretty brutal, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think we us two are similar in a way, than the, and Hamish too, to, to be honest, but um, just in the way that it, it does genuinely make me sad when, when I hear about this. And I'm not one of these people who, you know, um, idolise celebrities and then when they pass, um, get all upset about it and stuff. But mm-hmm. the, the, what a dreadful week. I, I mean, I, I wasn't on the podcast last week when you were talking about Billy McNeil, when you and Hamish absolutely nailed the discussion on that, by the way. But... Um, what a dreadful week a really sad week and kind of for me just summed up that we're we're heading into this era now we're, we're going this is going to be happening over the next few years we're going to be saying goodbye to all, all our heroes and all the people we've looked up to and that's just the you know it's just the natural passage of time but um, Tommy Gamble was a, a big personality uh, and a great player a, like a, a revolutionary player in a way uh, the archetype yeah. for like the modern fullback really 
um, him and a few select others around the continent. But I, that at its peak was probably the best, you know, the best fullback in the world. Um, which, when you think about, I mean, it's funny because Hamish was speaking to us earlier this weekend and was saying that he hadn't really watched the Lisbon final before. Mm-hmm. And he went back and watched it and he was surprised at the quality of the team. Uh, yeah. And I think in his mind, he just had to um, split it into two different eras where the football was completely different. And it was, don't get me wrong, but I think he was surprised about how good the team were when he watched that game. Um, and it's because they, they were like, it, it was kind of polished under under the Dutch system of total football, like, you know, just a few years later. But that, that mm-hmm. Jock Steen team is like, for me, as far as I'm aware, and I've, you know, as far as I'm aware, are the kind of prototype for every the, the way that modern teams play attacking football. And him, him and him and him and Jim Craig were like the, the central to central to that. It was so important to that. You think about the game now and how important fullbacks are. And mm-hmm. those two those two are it. Yeah. You know, for a for a guy playing in defence to, to score in not not one but two European finals. Yeah, it, like the, the, it just it blows my mind to to think of that. Like Celtic him getting to a European final is, is a rare occurrence, but for him to play into and to, to also score into, we'll run through a wee bit of um, the good times with Tommy, four hundred and eighteen appearances, sixty three goals, which is <laughs> it's fascinating. Well, did, did you hear uh, Kieran Tierney? He was uh, in his press conference this week, and he said, um, "I saw that Tem- Tommy Gemmell had scored sixty three goals. If I finish my career." With sixty-three shots, I'll be happy. <laughs> it just shows you, yeah. as you say, it was a revolution, and him and Jim Craig. They speak about if one of them was up, was up, the other one was back defending, yeah. and yeah. the way that the system worked. Um, in terms of honours for for big time, six league titles, three Scottish Cup, four League Cups, and of course, the big cup in sixty-seven. Um, I think it's probably better for him to talk about the goal that he scored in, in 67 so this is, is Tommy Gemmell speaking about his goal uh, in the 1967 Cup final of that game, I mean there were so many shots uh, from so many people on target or off target that um, you know you say to yourself well this is we're going to do this but the longer the game went on uh, the more you say to yourself well is this going to be one of these days we're going to have 100% uh, possession but nothing to show for it and uh, it looked as if that's what was going to happen. Until, as you know yourself, Jim Craig made, did his major run down the right-hand side. And I actually should get my backside kicked because I should never have been in the position I was in anyway because if he was forward, I was supposed to be back. But I said, well, go for it. And um, if you watch that goal, uh, you'll see an Italian defender coming out to block me. And about two yards before he comes to me, he actually stops and turns his back. If that guy takes one more pace, the face of Celtic history has changed because I wouldn't have scored, he would have blocked the shot. And, uh, well, it's a great goal. Some folks said that uh, if there hadn't been a net there, they might have caught the ball in Paris. It's just brilliant the way, the way he describes that, John. It's just, what a goal it is. To, you watch it back, what a finish. Yeah, the, the best the best description of, of his goal was um, from Hugh McDonald at the Herald, uh, who said... Of Gemmel. The Gemmel all action reel would feature prominently a kick up the Bahuki of Helmut Haller and a goal in the European Cup that came from a shot so thunderous it should have been followed by a shower of rain. It's just it's, it's one of the best goals I think I've I've ever seen. Yeah. The context of it. Like yeah. to, to to draw level with a team that didn't really concede that many goals to score it in the way that he did and 
and then obviously for for Celtic to go on and win, it it, it marks him down in history for, forever um, in terms of Celtic. He's he's never going to be written out of the, the the history books. He he is he is there and he's at the yeah. very very top of that list. Well, it calls to mind the 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 wee anecdote as well, where Martin O'Neill says to him, "I loved your goal in the European Cup final," and Tommy Gatmel says back, "Which one?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just it's phenomenal. Like uh, the, but yeah, the, the, and I mean, it's just d- deeply sad. And, and, and he scored so many important goals for us. He scored at the start of that. Uh, 66, 67 European Cup campaign against Zurich um, mm-hmm. he also scored on the way to the um, 1970 final against Benfica and of course in the final itself so he, he wasn't it wasn't just a it wasn't a one-off that he scored an important goal like that it was probably inevitable that it might be him given the way that would press in into Milan into their own box it was always liable for a, for a ball to kind of um, come to the edge of the box and for him to, to bang one in um, but you're right mm-hmm. it's funny that um, what you said earlier about when one was up the other was back and it just so happened that uh, Jim Craig and Tommy Gemmell had come forward yeah. uh, at the same time and that's how we got the breakthrough it's funny to think about you know you're talking about him and all the goals he scored and I see that there's, there's a quote there from the man himself saying every goal was a great goal didn't matter who I scored against or how inconsequential the goal was Every time I put the ball in the net, it was a great moment, and it, it sums it up. Like you would expect that from a striker or an attacking midfielder, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Like, a guy who you keep going back to the word, but he revolutionised the, the way that the game mm-hmm. was played in terms of defence defenders going forward. And you see it so often now that, that it's it's kind of second nature. And, and you think about the teams back then that it just wouldn't happen, and mm-hmm. it just. Uh, it's such a it's such a loss for for the club, and you've seen the the outpour and the grief from from all mm-hmm. uh, walks of life from from everybody folk yeah. outside of football, knowing that how how big he was and how big the, the obviously the Lisbon it's, Lions. It's and, like for for our for our generation when we were growing up, it was probably someone daft like Roberto Carlos or something. You mm-hmm. imagine like when we're a bit older and Roberto Carlos passes away. We'll go. Oh, do you remember that free kick um, that you mm-hmm. scored? For, for for people of a certain generation, no matter what team you support, that Tommy Gemmel goal in the nineteen sixty seven cup final is a goal of that stature. It's a goal that people remember, and people remember him for the way he played. And we'll always remember him as Celtic fans. And just yeah, a horrendous week with that and the Billy McNeil stuff. A, re- a really a really bad one. Yeah, it, it, it's really it is, and obviously we echo what everybody else says. Thoughts go straight out to, to Tommy's his family, to the rest of the Lions, and and everybody surrounded with the club. His funeral will be held on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously another be another sad day, um, saying goodbye. But I'm pretty sure the the fans will unite and and show what kind of strength and, and unity there is yeah. for, for for Tommy's family and, and for the rest of the guys who saying goodbye to probably one of their best mates that they've ever had. Absolutely. And I, yeah. I think the the funeral cortege leaves Celtic Park at half past 11 on Friday morning. Um, so if you want to go and pay your respects, and I'm sure you'll be welcoming um, seeing that travel down the Celtic way on, on the way to, to the Daldawi crematorium. Obviously, it's hard to, it's hard to move on. Yeah, it is. So yeah. To, yeah. To, like, talking about, about somebody so great. And, but we have got other news and, and other stuff we have to discuss in the podcast. But big news this week I think is one main thing Craig Gordon has, has stayed at the club for another couple of years yeah I'm delighted I'm a big fan yes. of Craig Gordon and uh, I think he's 
been such a what, what a perfect signing really when you think about how we lost Fraser Forster and we were mm. all worried about how we might you know struggle to find another keeper uh, but does he just arrive for a, on a free after being out of the game for 18 months and was like the, one of the best keepers we've had uh, in years so I'm delighted that he's staying and all that business with Chelsea I'm sure his agent was put to good work to get him a new deal and he, he's managed to land himself a deal that takes us takes him at the club till he's past the age of 37 so fair play to him for doing that <laughs> getting that with Peter Lawwell would kind of been easy so fair enough uh, it's brilliant you, like, you read the news I think the news broke yesterday about about the contract that it was going to be signed but he's, he's going to be said he's going to be here until he's, he's, he's over 37 he's in it for the long haul he's the number one goalkeeper that we have there was the slight blip at the start well kind of earlier on in the season kind of September time um, I think we need to remember that Craig Gordon wasn't in goals when we drew the, the only league game that we've dropped points in it was, it was the freeze that was in goals and then uh, Kilmarnock conceded that goal Cooley Bally and mm-hmm. I don't think he's, he's he's played every single minute since Yeah, and, <laughs> and uh, it's been phenomenal it's funny because you know what you know what managers are like they need someone that they trust in, in between the sticks so I think it was probably just a case of Brendan Rodgers getting to know Craig Gordon yeah, and there was a few occasions at the start of the season where uh, we didn't keep a clean sheet for ages. Actually, for I felt like for for a few games, or we kept one in the first eight matches or something, which isn't really like us. So it's probably just getting used to how we play, getting used to the keepers, getting used to the defense and stuff. So fair play to him for you know proving himself to Brendan Rodgers and and coming through with flying colours. Yeah, well, Gordon is he's thirty four at the moment and. This contract takes him for another three years, mm. but he said when, when he said he spoke to the club when he when he signed the contract, saying, "If this, um, I want to play as long as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. I'm very hopeful this isn't my last contract." Mm. So he wants to keep going. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to just give up. And I know you see it with goalkeepers; they they can play for for longer than, than players because obviously their physical exertions mm-hmm. aren't as as strenuous as maybe a striker or defender is, and. The last, I would say, just to touch on him a wee bit more, the, the last four or five games, I think he's come into his own, not for the fact that he's been making 20 saves a game, yeah. that he's been so quiet, but when he has yeah. been called upon, he, he's done the business. And like, I remember the, the Inverness game, there wasn't much at all, mm-hmm. and then a the, the chance came and he, he's there and he saves it mm-hmm. and, and he's he's ready and he's, he's rocking to go. It's, yeah. It it's just shows you how much a professional he is, really. Yeah, and that, I think that's why some goalkeepers find it tough at Celtic because they play in games where they're kind of always need to be on their toes and on edge. But at Celtic, it's more about keeping your concentration through lulls in the game when we're absolutely dominating. And you know, another save that comes to mind for me is up at Pitodre, and mm-hmm. I think the last minute where the free kick came in and it came off Zyuchenko and he tipped over the bar. I think that's probably. One of the best saves he's made all season. He also made an amazing save against Barcelona, if you remember. Um, mm. So he's he can do it at all levels against all teams. And when we are under the clash against a team like Barcelona, he's just as good as when we're absolutely dominating and he needs to make a, a, a key save at a kind of time that you wouldn't expect in the match. So, yeah. Uh, long may continue. I, I, don't yeah, think, no. I, I think it would take a lot of money to replace a keeper of Craig Gordon's quality. Yeah, I, th- I think we've we've actually absolutely won a watch. We're getting him in for free mm-hmm. and keeping him on for another three years mm-hmm. at, at least. It, it's brilliant to see. But um, uh, that's I think that's pretty much it for for Celtic I think news. So for yeah, this it's week. been a strange week. Just the kind of it's the usual build up to the derby where they roll out ex players and some and stuff mm-hmm. where it's like 
Kevin Thompson saying Rangers can win it like they did 10 years ago and like uh, Frank McAvenny saying Celtic can rack up a record score and all that kind of nonsense. I think that's only all <laughs> news this week, really. Yeah, so well, what we'll do is we'll, we'll move on to the grand old alphabet. Yeah. We are already on to the letter D. It's quite, it just went so fast. Um, just in, in case anybody's listening for the first time, what we do is we, we go through the alphabet. Mm-hmm. We each make a case for said letter. So this week it's letter D. And what we do is we, we kind of discuss why we've chosen that letter and then we'll put it out to a poll on Twitter, on the yes. Twitter account, and we'll say that basically this is this is who we've chosen and we'll, we, an, audience, an audience choice as well. Kind of, I think we're doing it with the, the one that was mostly uh, picked out by the, yeah. uh, the followers. Yeah. Well, well, we'll see about that. We'll maybe discuss that a wee bit and decide which, which should be the audience choice. Um, we'll go through who, who's in it already. Is it Bertie Ald and Tommy Burns and Caesar? Yeah. It's some alphabet already. <laughs> so um before before we jump in and, and get out give our choices, Hamish has, has kindly recorded a, a wee clip and he sent across his choice for the letter D. Hello from Sunny Stuttgart. Yeah, I have moved to Germany for five or so months, but don't worry, it's not gonna stop me from getting in my nomination for letter D of the Grand Old Alphabet. I'm going for a game that probably ranks up certainly in the top three of most, if not every, Celtic fans um, list, certainly in terms of 21st century. It's a game from the year 2000 and it's been named Demolition Derby. It was the day when Celtic thumped Rangers 6-2. It came at a time when... Or it came after many, many years of failure for Celtic with so many low points and very few high points. And that was the day that um, that Celtic just returned back to, to where we see them now, pumping Rangers. It was an absolute thrashing. 6-2 was probably kind on Rangers. And some of the goals, that last and chips, probably the, the greatest Celtic goal um, in the last 50 years. Um, last 40 years, certainly, if you count out 67 goals but that was just incredible um, so many other great things happened that day, it was the day that Celtic arrived back on the big scene as I say, I wasn't fortunate enough to be there being only like four years old at the time but it's, the, w- the way I can probably sum it up best is that if there was one game um, in the 21st century that I could go back, while I've been alive, that I could go back and, and go to, it wouldn't even be Seville it would be Celtic 6 Rangers 2 Right, so some choice that for Hamish, eh, John? Yeah, um, nice, nice, pretty, to, pretty, pretty, nice to hear from Hamish. It was getting a bit <laughs> loud, well. You know, but um, I obviously demolition derby, six yes. two game. It's 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 right up there. Um, it's one of my pretty much one one of the, the best memories I have as a Celtic fan. It just brings a smile to my face every time you talk about it. Yeah, I mean, it's the the, the goals. Everyone knows every single goal, probably even the Rangers goals. Mm-hmm. Um, just one of those. Those those kind of memories that you'll never forget as a Celtic fan, no matter what age you are, really. It's one of those ones. Even if you're real young, you'll still remember it. Mm-hmm. Um, and what a magnificent day! We can speak all day. We could probably make a whole podcast about that Henrik Larsson goal on its own, uh, <laughs> the most iconic goal of my lifetime, certainly. Yeah, uh, no. just un- un- unbelievable. So a great choice from Hamish. Yeah, no, I'll take some beat. No, I'll, I'll let you go next. I'm going to take the the last spot, but I'll let you go next. We're, we're yeah. keen to hear what this is. Nobody knows what it is. Yeah, well, but, um, everyone sent in suggestions for the D, you know, for the audience choice, and, and nobody managed to say mine, which I was really happy about. But as a player, it's not something weird like the break clubs, like I brought it last time. Um, but as as people maybe know from that break club stuff, I'm, I'm quite into my Celtic history, so I went way, way back again. 
uh, way, way back. Um, and the, the person I've chosen is Daniel Doyle, Dan Doyle, um, who was one of Celtic's first captains at the club and probably our first kind of controversial player that we ever had at the club. He was part of the, the first Celtic team to win the Scottish League. He's part of the first Celtic team to win the Scottish Cup. And he had, had one of the most remarkable storied careers that you, you'll ever hear. But sadly, actually, before he joined Celtic, he was actually involved in an incident where he had a collision with, a, with another player when he was playing, for, playing against uh, Grimsby Town. And he played for Everton at the time and collided with the, the player and sadly the player died. So he had that kind of ring around his neck Jeez, oh. uh, for, for the rest of his career. But um, he, w- he wasn't found to be a, of blame for it or anything. But as you can imagine, it probably weighed heavily on him. But he's actually a, a cheeky character as well. When he was at Everton, <laughs> uh, he actually one summer was getting paid by Everton, uh, was getting paid by Celtic. And he was also getting paid by, I think it was Bolton as well. Um, he signed contracts with all three, took a wage from them from all summer uh, without all the other clubs knowing about it. Um, and then when the season started, actually came up north to play for Celtic. And it was, it was, it would be as if, yeah, I don't know who a modern comparison would be, but it would be as if the star player from the English Premier League came up to play for Celtic. Mm-hmm. And it caused quite a stir at the time and caused crowds to swell and people to come and see him and stuff. But apparently, he was one of the most, uh, the, the best defenders of, of his era, of his generation. Uh, I think he played a left back as well, funny enough, we were, t- we were talking about full backs earlier. Um, but I just wanted to, ha- to highlight him because he's kind of, even though he's back in those days, he's still iconic to the Celtic support now. I think he was the first um, player to be recognised by the Celtic Grave Society, who are the, the group that. Um, make sure that graves are uh, not in a state of disrepair. Uh, former Celtic players of of those kind of eras. So my pick is Dan Doyle. Fantastic! It's it's a story that I've never heard before. Um, I've heard the name of Dan Doyle and I knew he was involved early doors in terms of like winning the league and the cup and stuff like that. But the other stuff that goes along with it is fascinating to think. And mm-hmm. if only we had internet and, and TV and all that back then, we could yeah. see. Yeah, I mean, like, I think I think he was, was a genuinely controversial character, and I think he was a hard player as well. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I mean, I've read the book. There's a. I think there's a book. I can't. I th- can't remember the name. I think it might be called The Wild Over. Um, and in the book, there makes a lot of comparisons with Neil Lennon, actually. For, I can't remember the exact reasons, but that's a good book if you can track that down on Dan Doyle. That, that's why kind of remembered me. I think my brother bought me that book one year for Christmas and uh, enjoyed that immensely. So if you're struggling for something to read, that's definitely one to pick up. So it sounds like an interesting one. Um, would you want me to jump in and we would give some audience views first, John? Yeah, you, you jump in first and then we'll, we'll talk about the audience choice. Right, OK. Um, I was... I, I was swithering, I, I didn't know who to go with, but um, I, I couldn't believe I'd, I'd forgotten about him, to be honest. And I think the only person that I could really go for is, is Mr. Ronnie Dyler. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, oh, well, we've, got, we've got Kerry Douglas, we've got, you know, like, uh, Mr. Dembele. I know. And you've gone no. for Ronnie Dyler. No, and there, there is reason behind it. Okay, there, okay. there is reason here. So when Ronnie Dyler left Celtic, I was... I was quite. I wasn't. I was. I was a bit disappointed. I was maybe upset that he hadn't done all that he probably should have been able to do as Celtic manager. But he won titles number four and title number five on the way to to ten in a row, 
and without that you, you can't do anything you, without that's what I went on Facebook and I said thanks for the memories Ronnie without four and five you're not going to get ten and I, I still stand by that fact that yeah. he is going to be one of the important people in, in Celtic's history because he came to the club as an unknown. He was all, he was kind of put under pressure straight away, and he started off quite badly. He came into it a wee bit, and, and he won. You know, people kind of forget he won. He won the league yeah. cup and the league in his first season. Like he, he didn't have a dreadful season. He was very very close to a treble, and if, if say for a bad decision, he he would have got a treble, and he would have went down in, in history as one of the only managers in Celtic history to to, to win a treble, and. I know it kind of came to an end, and yeah, it did. Uh, the way it came to an end wasn't great, and last season wasn't brilliant. It was a wee bit kind of stagnated, and we we kind of stumbled towards the league title. But the fact remains that we won the league title. We probably should have won one of the cups last year, but I think forgetting that, looking back at the time, it probably wasn't the greatest time as as a Celtic fan. But it was different. It was. It was good because we were still winning trophies, we were still winning league titles and the man that took us there was Ronnie Dyler and I think the the other thing that you need to thank him for is the Ronnie Roar, what a celebration. <laughs> so my my choice uh, for, for the grand old half of it for, for letter we're gonna D. Get, we're going to get pillars for that, see when not our poll comes up and it's the, demo, the demolition derby, 6-2, it's Dan Doyle, it's Ronnie Dyler and there's no Kenny Dalgleish, there's no, <laughs> there's no anyone else. Um, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Um, there's, there's loads of other people you could have went yeah, for, you did mention a couple yeah. of them, and a lot of them get they get fired in on Twitter, there was there was a, a huge amount to choose from, wasn't there? Yeah, but so we had loads of suggestions, we had uh, Johnny Doyle, of course, uh, kind of a, another iconic figure in Celtic's history, um, someone suggested Diddy teams. That was Chris Henderson <laughs> uh, in recognition of our upcoming fixture. I don't know how you feel about that. Um, we also had uh, Musa Dembele as well. We had a suggestion for that. Someone else had suggested the Demolition Derby 6-2, um, which, which Hamish kindly offered to. We've obviously had Kenny Dalgleish. We had Duke Prague, who we beat on the way to the 67 final. Uh, Jimmy Delaney. Uh, we had De Canio. Uh, Paolo Di Canio we had uh, Jack Inouski um, a few people mentioned him actually a few more tweeted uh, mentions for Duke Prague um, Deadline Day signing memories Dixie Deans yeah. Donati the Dewey there was actually loads there was it was actually Dewey. it was in your Dewey yeah um, that was uh, Niall McCusker sent us in Dewey and so did by the minute Celtic I, I don't know if they're trying to wind us up there but uh, <laughs> There's also Joe Dodds, who's the the highest player beginning with D, the the the, the highest amount of attendances for a player beginning with D. Um, so there was also him. Um, Gio, the photographer, sent us in uh, Dynamo Moscow, Moscow for that last minute uh, Samurai moment winner. Mm-hmm. Typically, he he pick a, a Samurai game. Um, so I'm not sure what we're going to choose for the audience choices. I think a lot of people initially, for some reason, it was going to be Jackanowski. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people picked him mainly because they remember that game against uh, Partizan where he scored four goals and Celtic still went out of Europe. And I think he was kind of like a cult figure at the time because I think he was one of those it was before our time, but he was one of those players yeah. that had a, a massive amounts of ability, but had that kind of um, perhaps a less than focused. The determination, uh, <laughs> shall we say? And um, so we've got Mister. A lot of mentions for Mister. Dembele too. Do any of these stick out to you immediately? 
I think the two that stand out for me, the one I was going to pick was Dixie Dean's. I think that that stands out hugely. Kenny Dalglish, obviously, is before my time. Again, it's just as we maybe need to get a, a guy in his sixties on to this podcast to give us the, <laughs> yeah. the reason. Dead. Um, I think there's, there's there is there's, there's so many. Um, there's I, I don't know. I don't, I just think for me, I think Dembele's just too soon. Yeah. I think it's just half a well, nearly three quarters of a season isn't long enough to to get in, inclusion into the, the the short list. I think it is too early, and there's a lot of there's a lot of chat about how he's taken his place in Celtic history and stuff already. And, and nah, it's too early. Too to, early for, for that, that for me. For me, I would yeah. personally, from a personal standpoint, I would maybe pick Pedro De Canio because he was like. Formative to to me enjoying Celtic when I was that kind of that age where um, it's make or break whether you're going to like football or not, and mm-hmm. certainly that season that he had was was amazing, one that I remember very fondly. But obviously not not the most uh, savoury characters off the field, so I'm not sure how few, pe- how people would feel about that. And then obviously you've got ten- Kenny Dalglish, um, his his quality and his impact on Celtic's undeniable. Uh, arguably more famous for his time at Liverpool though. Yeah, yeah that, that's that's the kind of thought that, that crossed my mind straight away. Mm. That that he, and although he is a Celtic legend and and he did a hell of a lot when he was here, that he, he kind of got overshadowed when he moved away because I don't know maybe he just didn't I don't know didn't win. He, I know he won a lot when he was here, but it just seems to jump out that I don't know. It seems to be he's more of a Liverpool legend than he is a Celtic one, which is bizarre because yeah, he, he's a complete Celtic, Celtic legend. legend. Yeah, but. Yeah, I know, and I, but I mean, people swear that he's the best player that they ever saw in the hoops, though, as well. So you've got to remember that people of a certain age, even people who saw the the, the team immediately before the one that he was he was a big part of, um, mm-hmm. the the kind of the first generation of Jockstein's team, um, even people who saw that team swear that Dalglish was the best player that they saw playing the hoops. So do, do you think his his time is is his four months in charge is kind of. Well, he won, he won the league cup, didn't he? So I know, but you, you know, but I also have to consider. I don't I maybe better make people aware. We can only have four choices here because we do a poll on Twitter, and Twitter only allows you four choices. So we've got <laughs> Hamish's the demolition derby. We've got yours, which is Ronnie Dyla, and we've got mine, which is uh, Dan Doyle. So we've got to pick one of these from the ones that we mentioned. I quite like Dukla Prague. Um, yeah, I, I think it, I think it's. And the last the what's happened in the last couple of weeks, I think the the, the club prize a pretty good one. Um, reading the, the as I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, reading the book yeah. about the, the the anniversary and mm-hmm. fifty years since since uh, Lisbon and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and reading the chapter about them, it was really quite interesting. So uh, I, I'm I'm on board with that if, if you are. Yeah, so which we maybe talk a wee bit about the about the Duckle Park game. Um, if people aren't aware, I'm, I'm sure most people are, but the but the team that we played in the the semi final in 1967 um, to reach the the final in Lisbon. And they'd put out um, Ajax in the previous round, a kind of like a dark, a dark horse of the tournament, I think. And mm-hmm. they, we were we'd went one up against them um, in the first leg, and then they had equalised, and then we went on to win three three one on the night. Uh, a great performance, but a difficult performance, I think. And then uh, we we went over there and drew nil nil. I think is that right? Um, trying yeah, to think, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. Yeah, obviously a, a massively important event in Celtic's history. And if you recall, 
most people listening to this probably don't remember that, but they, they'll remember the, the Bo Vista game and, and how iconic a moment that is in Celtic's modern history of winning in a semi-final to reach a final. So you can imagine what that was like in 1967 to, to, to go on the way to a final, beating them 3-1 at home, but knowing that we're probably going to make it and we're going to make Lisbon. Um, and don't forget, with actually there was actually a third semi-final uh, and and the, the previous five years, I think we'd uh, reached the semi final of the Cup Winners Cup in in 1964 and 1966. And um, so we're, we're we're kind of there 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 and thereabouts in Europe. Um, but this tie against Dukla Prague it brought us to the next level. So perhaps if we'd been beaten by by Dukla Prague, the years of success wouldn't be as great under Jockstein as they turned out to be. Yeah, I think it shows the the win at home was pretty much like it showed the kind of the strength that the team had mm-hmm. and and the, how they could they could they could defend even though um, because obviously going with a three one like lead it was, mm-hmm. it was big and I remember reading in the book that they quite liked playing the games at home first yeah. because they knew they could do the business and then they could go yeah. over and they knew exactly what they had to do when they were playing in a different game and. Uh, it was it was interesting because I think they they were expected to win mm-hmm. yeah, in, a, in, a, yeah. in a way, but there was obviously going to be an apprehension that mm-hmm. that these 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 unknowns and from that kind of time the, the the Eastern European teams were always kind of unknown quantities, but they knew that was there was there was real talent there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that this team there were there were no mugs like there was no. No doubt about the, the the quality to get to to that stage in the European uh, competition, mm-hmm. but for 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 getting a three one, I, th- I think the tie was over um, once once the third goal had went in, mm-hmm. and it was it was Jimmy Johnson. It was one of the only goals he scored on mm-hmm. the, the road to the to Lisbon, yeah. getting the goal mm-hmm. in the semi final, and and the fact that obviously obviously going on to win it, it makes it even better. But I think that's, it's it's a really it's one of the the games that I've I've seen the highlights for the game, but I've never mm-hmm. seen the, the full ninety the minutes no, of the of the three one. But the, I remember watching it and the way that the the goals went in. You seen it, you could see the fans. I know it's the the picture's not great and all that kind of stuff, but mm-hmm. it's like sixty seventy thousand there and the sheer jubilation. And they know that they're pretty much guaranteed a, a European final. It was phenomenal scenes. Like you said, they had they had the very tricky return leg um, mm-hmm. away. With in front of a much lesser crowd, I think it was bitterly cold the the night that they played as well, and it even snowed at one point. I think that's I think that's right, and I I think that uh, we actually played with a defensive formation. Kind of, it's funny we, we mentioned the, the Lisbon Lions are known for their attacking setup, and their um, primarily because of that in the Milan final, but because they had such flair in the team. But as you say, we went and showed the the steely determination to grind out a result. Kind of just proves that they weren't just a, a team who played attacking football they were a team of winners who knew how to win and get through ties and uh, ultimately that was, that's the most important thing yeah no, no definitely and it just it shows that the the team were like they were brilliant as one like as a unit they, they knew how to win they knew how to score but they knew how to defend as well and could, you, could you imagine in 1967 you imagine obviously time without the internet and stuff it sounds <laughs> it sounds like we're being patronising today but could you imagine like the, the Celtic team winning and then you're not really sure if they'd made it to the European Cup final until you know a few hours later after the final whistle quite extraordinary <laughs> really just by the time the word gets out around the population 
mm-hmm. that they were probably everyone was waiting to see whether Celtic had made it to Lisbon, and of course they had. So will we go? Um, we'll go with Dukla Prague. I think we'll so. Yeah. Honor, yeah. Honorable mentions for for Kenny yeah. Dalglish, for Musa Dembele, for Dewey. For, for Jack and Ouski. <laughs> loads at loads for D. Um, if there's somebody obvious, I don't think there is somebody obvious, but if there is somebody obvious we missed out, shout at us on Twitter and let oh, us know we'll, about it. We'll, we'll get people shouting us anyway. We're, we're too young for a lot of people, I think, and they get frustrated that we don't name their <laughs> heroes from their childhood. So, But yeah, Dukla Prague, I'm pretty sure uh, Ronnie Dyla is going to win this poll, maybe um, ironically, <laughs> but we'll see. Uh, we, we will see. Um, before we, we're going to talk about more stuff on the site, we'll, we'll look forward to the weekend, to, to Sunday's game in the league and um, Rangers coming to Celtic Park for the second time this season. Last time out was 5-1. Same again? Same again, probably, yeah. You know what I'm like with these games. I'm one of those... <laughs> I'm, I'm terrible. And I, I, it's not that I fear them. It's just that the, the stakes are so high for me because I get so emotionally invested in these matches that I just get so anxious about it. I think it's my natural character. I'm a, a quite an anxious person, so I, I I definitely think we'll win. Like my head thinks we'll, we'll definitely win, and and so does my heart, to be honest. Yeah, so. I, I I went into the game uh, and hugged Mane. Uh-huh. Like it, it was probably the least nervous I've ever been oh, really? playing against our Rangers team, and I just because. I've, I've, I think I've watched them three times. No, we've watched them against us, and I've watched them twice out with us. And they're not a good side. No, they're, they're not. not. They're not. They're not got. They're not got a star in them. They've not got Dunbelly. They've not got a Griffiths. They've not got a Scott Brown in the middle of the park. They've not got a Craig Gordon in goals. They haven't got a Keaton Tierney in the left flank. They, they just don't have anything that that, that scares me. Mm-hmm. And it, it's sad in a sense that there's there's no. There's no that raw emotion. I'm sure when I go on Sunday, I'll be I'll be pretty excited for for, yeah. the, for the game. But it's it's changed the derby. Um, you know, obviously the, the last four or five years it's changed. But I think and now, we had Rangers quite a heated being... discussion, shall we say, in, in our, yeah. a group chat earlier in the week between. And it's a shame Hamish isn't here. We'll probably talk about this when Hamish is on the podcast in the next few weeks once he gets settled in um, to to German life. <laughs> um, but he, but we're talking about how. I don't. I don't feel the same way about the derby anymore than I used to um, mm-hmm. before everything happened with the liquidation and you know the death of Rangers. <laughs> um, and I, I genuinely don't. And I'm not. I don't say that to be. You know why? I'm not one of these people who are constantly talking about Sevco, etc., etc. I. I just. I genuinely don't feel the same about it. And I'm not. I. I don't think it's because I. I, I see them as a different team as such. I just think. That that was kind of there was a, it was a watershed moment in Scottish football for me, and I remember I followed it vividly. I followed it day, day to day, and when that happened, and and I just knew that that was the end of an era. We'd gone through a, a decade where Celtic and Rangers had gone toe to toe, but I knew, I knew by that point that it would it had all been propped up by this kind of, by fake money that didn't that didn't exist, and there wasn't a there wasn't a the the two teams were never equal and I think that's yeah. something that people maybe talk about a lot now but they, they kind of weren't at the time and the, the, the two teams weren't equal because one team had money and one team didn't and I know we, we don't like to we, I know we don't like to labour on about the finances of teams and stuff on, on this podcast and on the site and that's just a general outlook on things but for me that's that's how I feel about it so I know that it's not 
I know that they're, they can't compete with us and it's kind of taken the shine off of it for me a little bit. I've never been one into the, the bigotry of all and stuff. Like, I love getting at them because I hate them, but <laughs> I say that. <laughs> but for me, it's just, there's something about it that doesn't feel the same and, and I don't know. Hamish was saying that he feels as strongly about it as he ever did um, and that's just not, no. I, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to argue his case for him, but that's, mm-hmm. that's how I feel, feel about it. Yeah, just to touch on it briefly, the way the way that I described it was that when we used to play them, you used to get really excited and you used to be really nervous about it. And now we we have that sense of inevitability. And the mm. the biggest thing about it is that if we lose, that, that we could lose, and they would go on and on and on and on about it. Yeah. If we win now, I've got mates that support Rangers, and it'll maybe be one or two texts, or or I'll see them, or I'll be a phone call just to bind them up. And then that'll be it. Like it's, that's it. When f- ten years ago, it used to be days on end, like constantly mm-hmm. ribbing them and and saying, "Oh, do you remember? Oh, remember that goal? And oh, what happened to his blah blah blah?" And it's just it's it's, it's not there anymore for me. Anyway, it's, it's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. But I think that this game is going to be another another Celtic win. I don't see I don't see us losing because even. Under Warburton Rangers, they weren't great, but they they were better than they they have been in the last few games under uh, Murty, and it doesn't look like they're going to have a manager by the time the game comes around. Um, how how badly are we are we going to beat them, John? Will we score five again? I, I think it's possible. I really do. Mm. I think we can. It depends, isn't it? I, I mean, I mean, I don't know much about Graham Murty, so you might you might have a few tricks up his sleeve about it. To be quite <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Um, I just can't see them coming. I think it's one of those games that we're going to be up for, so it doesn't really matter how... You're right, it doesn't really matter how they play because I think the only reason we're ever going to lose this fixture over the next couple of years is because we're our own worst enemy in the match. And I just can't see that happening under Brendan Rodgers right now. I think he's got the team so focused and so determined that no matter who turns up in a big match, they're going to get a game. And I could... Definitely see us beating them four or five again. You know. Yeah, right, we'll put you on the spot. We'll give us a prediction for Sunday. And I, I don't think they're going to score. So I'll, I'll go four now. I think we'll be yeah, four now. I'm five now. People have been asking me all week now. at work. Like, what do you think? I just keep saying five now. I've got a feeling. I think Dembele will score another couple of goals, and it'll be as pretty routine as it goes. I think we need to look up. But I think five now would be the biggest victory since seven one. Um, yeah, I think. That's just, yeah, no, it sounds sounds about right. Yeah. Aye. You, you mentioned earlier on McAvenny saying that it could be the first time that eight goals have been scored. And <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know about that. Yeah. But then I was thinking about that. We, we, um, we beat Hamilton eight one, and we beat mm-hmm. Motherwell seven 0 And you know, if we're in the mid for it, there's, there's I wouldn't I wouldn't bet against it to be honest. It doesn't it seems more absurd to me that they would win. Rather than we would uh, ratch up a, or sorry, rack up a scoreline like that, I think. No, it's, it's a fair point because you, you look at the the, the teams, um, Celtic and Rangers. The Rangers don't score goals, mm-hmm. and Celtic don't concede that many. Like this season so far, we're on seventy three scored, they're on thirty seven. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty much mm-hmm. half of what we have, mm-hmm. and we've only conceded sixteen. And they've conceded thirty-two, so it's exactly double. So you look at it like that. We're pre- we're guaranteed to score a couple of goals more than they are. Um, if they score none, we're going to score at least two or three. <laughs> yeah, and I generally don't think they'll score. I mean, Joe, Joe Gardner got. I don't know if you you saw any of that Hamilton game, but basically, 
the Rangers weren't any better than they have been. Uh, I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm saying that purely logically with without McGreen turning specs on. They beat Hamilton six 0 but they weren't any better. Hamilton were dreadful. They just mm-hmm. totally threw. They threw in the towel and they made like five horrendous defensive mistakes that just basically gifted goals to Rangers. So. I'm not seeing that kind of result as any sign that they're going to come into the game and do anything. Uh, like, who have they got that's going to score against us? Martin Waghorn scores penalties. Uh, Joe Garner's rubbish. So He's suspended, I think, as well. Yeah, he is. Yeah, you're right. So Joe Garner can't. So, um, no, you're right. You're right. And Kiernan's suspended as well. And I know the Rangers fans give him a lot of stick for not being a great centre-half, but who have they got? I, I honestly couldn't tell you who they've got coming in to replace them. Well, they've, That's how they've got Danny kind of Wilson, situation they've got around. Philip Senderoff is still kicking about. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. You can't play him yeah. again. Um, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, 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 they're really poor. Aye, so so we'll hopefully we'll be back with you after the game and we'll be talking about another comprehensive victory and mm-hmm. the fact that the matter would probably be that Celtic are one win away from um, six in a mm-hmm. row. Which is we've been saying it for weeks, but it's actually coming true, and it's, it's going to happen very soon. Yeah. But um, we'll move on to the site, John. Yes. What have we been got? What's been happening on? What's been happening? Uh, well, I'll, I'll firstly just preview one of the articles that's going on the site. Probably by the time people hear this, depending on how quickly we get the the edit of the podcast together. But um, there's one by uh, Graham who's written for the site before. And he's got something about basically about what we're talking about about how much the derby means to people now and and whether the derby died with Rangers really. Um, so he discusses that and discusses whether it still means as much to him as well. And we also had another article from Chris Henderson, um, and he wrote an article just as a kind of reflection on some of the chatter that had been around a couple of weeks ago, um, with some of the unsavoury elements of um, other supports and how he puts the Celtic support on a pedestal. And I think he's quite right to uh, for the for the. I actually agree with the vast majority of his article, and it's just about um, kind of about how the Celtic support usually rise above that kind of that kind of chat. Mm-hmm. That's called better. Um, and yeah, he he's got a humour to his writing that I enjoy. So um, if you want to go and have a look at that, go on the site and read that. Superb. No, that, I think that's that's about having my usual Sunday shoot. On the the site mm-hmm. as well this week, and just kind of waxing lyrical about how they we're going to win the treble, and uh, I think John's got the delete button just in case we lose in the, the semi final, the final, just to get rid of that so we don't get <laughs> um, dogs abuse from from yeah. other fans. We're going to um, be hiding from this Ronnie Dyla thing anyway. So <laughs> and I'll, I'll be I'll be going into uh, to to Twitter hiding just just after the podcast is released. But I think for uh, episode fourteen, yeah. I think we've managed all right without Hamish. Yeah, I hope so. I've done I hope it right. so. <laughs> Yeah. We've, we've managed to hold it together um, as usual thank you very much to, to everyone who, who's listened who's interacted with the Twitter account who passed 7,000 followers last week John didn't I think so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but it's going, it's going pretty good it's going pretty it's good excellent um, as usual if you want to get in touch you want to give us a shout about a theme that you want to hear about us talking on the podcast mm-hmm. you want to leave comments or whatever you can you can get in touch and the email address is podcast at agrandoldteam.com as I said, Twitter, um, at Fritz Agrandold, same with Facebook, which I've been neglecting, I'll need to, to get on back onto that. Um, if you enjoy the show, if you enjoy listening to us, you can give us a wee rating and review on iTunes. It's it just, as we say every week, it helps get the word out there to, to Celtic fans talking about Celtic, to talking the club up and, and talking about the, the, the issues that the fans really care about. Uh, John, thank you very much for Cheers. joining me. It's been a pleasure. Cheers, Paul. Cheers, Paul. Uh, 
hopefully uh, you've enjoyed yourself and we should be back to normal for episode 15 with Hamish Carton thank you very much for listening and hail hail a one a one two it's like it's like it's like it's like it's like everything